You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. He is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. You're listening to Family Feud. Part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. And no Shotgun Spratling. I wasn't lying to you guys. Spring Shotgun Schedule is no joke. It's not to be trifled with. So we're going... The cool kids this episode. I'm not sure if I'm going to label it a quick take episode. It definitely doesn't have the bells and whistles, Chris. So I'm sorry that your sponsors had to be put off for a week. Well, I'm actually very happy because that's one down and one to go. And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Oh, no. You've had a streak this week of telling me things and not giving me any context. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I hope you're you're getting the vibe that I have right here with the the arms. Oh, visual bit. Very, very... It's a very subtle visual bit, but very like... He has mastermind hands right yes, now. I'm, He's I'm planning. Doing, I'm doing the tapping. There's some planning. There's, there's an evil energy in here, and I just need that out there. And, and I, didn't, I, need oh, that, no. I, I need that to come through on the pod today. And he raised an eyebrow, too. Wow, hello. Does this mean you want to just looking, solo pod? Looking right in your soul. <laughs> Do you just want a solo pod? Is Look, this what you're saying? I'm just saying if there's a day where, I don't know, maybe your brakes have been cut or there's slash tires and you can't make it in and then shotgun obviously with his schedule and then it's all up to the cousin to take over wow. the family feud i mean i did get a flat tire at your apartment so 40 chess over there 40 chess anyway back to the football it's gonna be an interesting episode only two days of spring camp so far you and i have been to every presser but chris you are the exclusive member of the uscfootball.com team to watch a full practice on tuesday so I think I'm going to pick your brain a little bit about what you saw. You did ghost notes. Great job, by the way. Uh, you're getting a lot of praise for that. Thank from you, thank you, thank you. Us and the, the P. It feels awesome to have this knowledge over you. <laughs> over you specifically. And shotgun. Should I be concerned of how aggressive you are in this episode? Look, I feel like I feel like it's 2v1 when you're both here but now it's like Why? now it's like now it's 1v1 like i can beat someone you know like when the receiver coach goes like you can beat this man one-on-one but you you had help over the top with shotgun no it's just you and me it's just you and me you can't control me I you can't we contain me team. oh no well i know that because you guys are helium boys but we're all one family i'm, I'm putting up three tuggies <laughs> today food. i'm putting up 250 i'm getting 11 receptions let's go you can't contain me keely <laughs> You better fake an injury. You better like my ankle's acting up, coach. Coach, I, you know me. I'd, I'd be able to do it. But the ankle is bum right now. Alrighty. Well, I'm determined to put this podcast back on track, even though you're not. Just so everyone is aware of what spring will look like for us. Tuesday, we get a presser in the morning, practice in the afternoon. Thursday, we get a presser in the morning, no practice for us, even though USC will practice Thursday afternoon. And then Saturday, we'll get a presser in the morning, and then a practice basically at noon. 
Pressers are via Zoom. That's why they're before practice. Chris, I guess let's first start with what we've gleaned from the first two days. Um, Tuesday, we heard from head coach Clay Hilton, offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, and quarterback Keaton Slovis. Thursday, we heard from defensive coordinator Todd Orlando and linebacker Kanai Malga. I guess first off, Tuesday, news and notes that you took away from that. I mean, obviously the big thing. I mean, it it had come out a couple days before, but... Uh, Keaton Slovis did a sit down with the athletic and he kind of talked about how last season he wasn't, he wasn't all right. He, there was issues, you know, mentally with his confidence. He didn't feel a hundred percent coming off the, uh, the shoulder or elbow. I don't remember which one off the holiday bowl. Hollywood was elbow. Oregon was shoulder. Elbow, head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees whatever. And toes. He, he didn't feel a hundred percent coming off that. And then obviously the whole not having a spring, he thought he felt good going to that into 2020 spring camp obviously everything got shut down had to go home he thought he could get to a place you know mentally where he was confident where he could carry out this shortened season but obviously that did not happen he didn't get to a place where he wanted to be mentally the confidence after coming off the injury so I think it that that was notable just because he's talking about it now I think that's a good step towards you know getting over that especially when you had some a mental block last year. So I think it's huge for him to be able to say that and come out and say, you know, look, I just wasn't confident in my arm. And we saw saw that. We all saw something was wrong. So I think it was a significant uh, development that he came out and talked about it. That's the thing. I was talking to Ryan about it on Wednesday. I feel like sometimes with USC, there's a little bit of like a reality piece missing where it's like, what are you talking about? Like, no, it's fine. You know, and as evidenced by the three different answers we got last season, I guess for me, I think it's a little, I feel like it's difficult for someone like Slovis it's a difficult position for him to be in because talking about how you lost confidence, I don't think, and having reporters ask you about it builds up your confidence. You like overthink it in that sense. So I feel bad for him because that's just a, a tricky situation to be in. But the fact that I feel like he actually sat down at the end of the season and said, Hey, how do we address this? How do I fix this? Okay. Let me work with the quarterback's coach. Let me face it head on. I think that's much better than, than trying to pretend that it wasn't an issue. So, and I think that, you know, everything kind of just compounded because he's not only a quarterback, but he's the quarterback at USC mm-hmm. and he had this incredible breakout season. You know, people were saying Heisman pick or Heisman guy, potential number one over number, number one overall QB in the 2022 class. So it would have, I felt like that all just compounded itself. And especially when you're already not in a confident place that just builds on you. So I think it would have been really tough for him to come out and say last year, you know, like in the middle of week three, four or whatever like guys i'm not confident in my arm that would have been that would just like blown up everywhere but you know the off season like you said it's a good time to take a step back really think about what happened and you know be okay to come out and say hey you know i wasn't i wasn't mentally all there i had some issues i had some confidence issues with my arm and that's the thing that i think people forgot one he was young still is and two he came in as a backup for JT coming from a high school that did not play well at all. And then was playing with house money. That's a different mindset. And then you get injured and you come back and you have all this hype around you and JT leaves. So it's all on your shoulders. That's a lot to go through. And so during the season, when I kept asking around like, Hey, what's happening? Everyone maintained, Hey, it's just, it's he's new, you know, it's, he's still trying to get into this swing of things. And I think people don't, appreciate what it means to not have a spring camp to develop to grow off of that 
first real start as a quarterback, as a true freshman. I, I don't know. Sometimes I think people view this as like a video game. And this is where you have to like remember the reality of this is a kid who came out of high school, got a start, was electric, and then had some issues because of maybe an arm injury that he was still recovering from and learning how to really treat his arm after throwing so much. But he also just was in his head a little bit. So the fact that, like we've said, the fact that he's recognize that and face it head on i think is the the recipe for success and the other thing is that was notable is that he came out and said you know i decided to go get some help with that you know working with some qb coaches the guy at the guys at 3d qb which is like the renowned qb guys um he named three specifically adam dado i believe uh john beck and dado dado like dado field all the usc fans are shaking their head right now dado dado adam dado it's spelled the same way. Maybe he says it like that, but... John Beck, a oh, nice backpedal. And Taylor Kelly, um, obviously uh, disciples of the throwing mechanics, biomechanics guru. He's throwing right now. Yeah. Tom House, you know, and they work with everyone from Tom Brady to Drew Brees. So a who's who's list of QBs that these guys have worked with. So, you know, probably learned some things. And, and he talked about how not only did it help get his confidence confidence back, you know, after a couple sessions, um, they also taught him some new tricks and how to like create more power without uh, sacrificing efficiency. So yeah. he can throw harder, longer, and not have arm fatigue, which is something you know he tried to power his way through. That's a great point because the notable thing for me from that athletic article was that the fact that before his holiday bowl in- injury, he was already having arm fatigue. And so that's not a great recipe for longevity. And I think also just for the confidence factor, having that oversight from QB coaches, I think just helps you because you're like, okay, I consulted with people who are good at what they do and are seeing my process. And that will, it kind of gives you a security blanket is what I'm saying. So I think that will only help his confidence. Right. He doesn't know everything about playing the position. No. So I mean, who it's, does? yeah, no one, even Tom Brady and Drew Brees, they still go to QB coaches to keep them sharp. So I think we have this misconception that, oh, you're a star QB, you know everything. Yeah. No, there's always something you could be learning, and there's always somebody out there who can teach you something new. So just expanding his knowledge of the position can only be only be a good thing for USC, and especially you know with all the times they're chucking the ball. Uh, don't want that arm fatigue. Chucking that ball. Chucking I'm, that ball offense. I'm breaking my own rules of like how Engagement? this pod is going to go. Oh. I know. I'm sorry. But I thought it was notable both Helton and Harrell sounded really excited about the new uh, quarterbacks on campus, Miller Moss and Jackson Dart. Especially Harrell said because uh, he didn't really get to see them play. You know, right? Can can go scout them. Maybe saw Miller a couple times, like really early. But Dart, no. And Dart's senior year was like the piece de resistance. The piece de resistance. I don't know why I did that. You can cut that if you want. No, it's fine. Uh, So I was going to ask you how they look in the first practice. Yeah, I, I. First, just a, just a plug. I got my freshman tracker up. It used to be early enrollee tracker, but I I just changed it to freshman tracker. You know, it's not because of any pending lawsuits. So if you hear anything about that, look, slander, you will hear from my lawyer. But not that I have a lawyer because of lawsuits that are outstanding. But I'm just saying it's it's freshman tracker where I track everything I see from the freshman for any given practice. I have a bunch of stuff up there. I charted every play. For Miller Moss and Jackson Darts, you can get the full breakdown there. Look at that. But as I tweeted, you know, obviously there were things they flashed. 
the stuff that made them high profile guys coming out of high school. But there was also growing pains. You know, they mm-hmm. both had fumbles uh, to 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 Vivian Malapai, which you're doing I, a handoff right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm doing the handoff. There was some both. There were some issues there. Mm-hmm. There were a couple times where they had to, you know kind of figure out what was happening with the play. There were sometimes where they looked a little hesitant in seven on seven because I think they weren't used to, you know, having guys not open going into college defense. So they sure. were just, so they were like, uh, the play clocks, and we're not trying to force it in there. Sure. Both almost had uh, picks uh, that just weren't hauled in by the DBs. Um, so, but so, yeah, lots of things to like. They throw some nice b- passes. Uh, but again, it's going to be cool to watch them grow because, you know, I think ups and downs day one. So I'm excited to see how they move forward. But, you know, freshman growing pains. Well, that's why you want your quarterbacks to be early enrollees, so you can get this kind of junky period out of the way earlier. Um, I'm just curious, QB2, do you think that's a Mohassan locked-up spot, or could Miller Moss or Jackson Dart take that? You know, I I, I just got to say, I pegged it for one of the freshmen to win the mm-hmm. backup job in my pro- projections for the depth chart that after camp. But I will say, Mohassan looked very confident. He looked like he was ready to be, you know, I call him a dark horse, but he looked very willing to declare himself as, you know, I'm I'm the backup. He looked confident. He was throwing some some good passes. He was injured last season, so we kind of maybe like forgot him out, forgot about him a little bit until he came back late. But he was out there throwing some nice balls. He looked confident. Looked like he knew what he was doing, and you know, I just like the way he carried himself. And he did seem to have most of the second team snaps, but. They were given a lot of snaps to uh, Miller and uh, Jackson. I think it broke down to about 12 and 13, 12 for Jackson, 13 for Miller, uh, just based on team periods. So, you know, seven on seven and 11 on 11 at the end. Okay. When there was a defense, because they did do some reps where it was just the offense. and They were just like going through the the motions before they brought them in. I didn't really count those as a as team reps because sure. it was just half the team. So that's where I got my my number for anyone who wants to come at me. Ready. I was also curious about the running backs. Mm-hmm. Just because last spring it was basically Keenan Kirsten available. And right. it seemed like there were actual bodies out there. There are a lot of bodies out there, Keely. There was Stephen Carr, Vi Malapai, obviously the big new name, Kante Ingram, everyone's everyone's talking about, rocking the braids, and then the freshman Brandon Campbell. No Keenan Kristen running track, because you know he's a super fast guy. One thing that jumped out to me about the older guys and now Carr and Vavai, they always practice hard when they're going. But they just seem to be, there seem to be like a little bit of extra step in them. Mm. No pun intended, Marquis step. Do your thing in Nebraska. There, there seemed to be a little bit of extra like step and maybe like urgency for them just because they have this big new name guy coming in. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's just like Brandon Campbell who, you know, still has a lot to learn. I mean, Keontae Ingram still has a lot to learn with the system and stuff and how things go, mm-hmm. but he's a former starter at a high profile yeah. uh, uh, program. You know, I don't think he came in here to, to sit on the bench. I no. think he came here to be a starter. So I think that that's adding a little bit of extra level of obviously competition for this group. So I, I kind of felt like those guys were running a little bit extra harder. Interesting. Um, obviously, I'm not saying they don't practice hard. I'm just saying I think there was a little bit more. It's just always different for running backs when it's not like real crunch time. Yeah. The practice is just different for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to fully explain that if you don't watch a ton of practice. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting to note because usually it's like, hey, we know what Vi and Stephen Carr can do, but apparently they're putting a extra work in. Yeah. Since I'm just picking your brain yeah, now. Yeah, it seems like I'm you, sorry. we said screw I, this format. I said we were doing a certain format and then I completely abandoned it. Look, this is me crumpling up 
the format. <laughs> you hit the mic. I didn't mean to hit you in the head there. It was the mic, but it's okay. Now, this is what I'm curious about. Okay. When we talked to Graham Harrell, he made it sound like wide receiver death was shaky. What did it actually look like at practice? Shaky warrior. That's a movie reference. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Okay. But yes, those were two things that jumped out to me. We can talk about linebackers later, but the wide receivers looking very thin. And it was, it looked worse than it probably was just because there was no Brew McCoy. Mm. He was not at practice. So you were left with basically Drake London, Gary Bryant, John Jackson, uh, Michael Jackson the third, and Katie Nixon. So that's like five guys. So it looks better when you got Brew there, but a lot of walk-ons behind those and a lot of walk-ons were getting reps. So I feel like Michael Jackson was a name that came up in pressers like he was standing out i was also curious how did they use gary bryant because i know harold sounded pretty excited about using him both inside and outside sounds like something he highlighted so i was just curious how that went yeah uh gary looked really confident out there and i mentioned this that it looked like keenan was going a lot to gary who was playing a lot more outside than inside okay It, it mainly felt like uh john jackson was getting most of the inside reps. So they were really looking at Gary on the outside, which I'm excited about with that speed. But it definitely looked like he was targeting, uh, Keaton was targeting Gary more. I, I felt like it was just, they want to get that chemistry going. Sure. Didn't have a lot of it in spring last year. Came on a little bit at the end, but very like little. So I feel like they're making it an emphasis to kind of get that, that chemistry rolling in spring. I also thought it was notable that USC picked up a transfer. Wide receiver from Memphis, Taj Washington. He's, he seems like a slot guy. And so I feel like that points even more to Gary Bryant moving more outside. Yeah, that that kind of... Uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like when, when Brew's back. And we kind of see where he's he's slated in this. So, But I feel like it's, it's going to be... Because think about it. That's Gary, Drake inside, Brew on the outside. So that's... It's pretty good. That's not bad. Pretty and good. get Kyle Ford back, who was out there. Okay. I forgot to mention, he was out there. He was limited. Uh, he was still running reps and stuff like that, doing the air routes. So he, he was moving well. Not full contact, obviously. But get him? You got a you got a stew going. A stew? Yeah, you're cooking up. Throw a little Kyle Ford in there. A little Drake London on the inside. A little Gary on the outside. Rue McCoy. A little Katie Nixon. A little, He's like a little, actually making a stew a little, right now. A little, little pinch of Katie Nixon. Throw How'd Mike Kate, Jack in there. How'd Katie Nixon look? You also didn't mention Mike Jack. How was that? Right, right, right. Mike Jack was my winner because in my freshman tracker, I always pick like who was the top alpha freshman of the day. Sure. And I would say he was, you know, obviously a lot of people were focused on the quarterbacks, but I think he had the best day overall. He was very consistent got a lot of run with the twos and some one reps. Had a really nice touchdown uh, from Keenan Slovis during the seven on seven period. Ran a really nice uh, like curl route, uh, beat his defender who was like a little bit slow on that and then just beat him beat him to the house very consistent if you look quick enough you kind of forget he's not Amarase Brown but not as not compact? as not as no no not as compact yeah i would he's not as big as Amara but he's still built okay if that makes sense no but i will okay. assess this on saturday he's just like a slimmer version of Amara okay and then Katie Nixon yeah, moves really, really well, can cut on a dime really quick. He also got some work at outside. Okay. Um, so there's experimenting with him there. He's very versatile. That's where I expected him to get some work on the outside. But looks like he's going to be a dangerous slot based on the way he moves. 
And you could tell they were trying to build that chemistry, him and Keaton, trying to get that going. Didn't connect as well. Didn't find some deep passes as well during, like, uh, defended routes. But, you know, th- they're working on it. Yeah. Just got to get that vibe with new quarterback. Once again, this is the benefit of actually having a spring camp. Yep. You work these wrinkles out. Tight ends? Anything notable from that group? You know, Jude Wolf is not out there. He's still rehabbing with the foot. So yeah. it was mainly the Josh Fallow, the Aaron Croman, Eric Croman hoax. And then, but the most notable thing was that Ethan Ray was out there. You know, the yeah. former four-star recruit. You know, he's had to work his way back from those two injuries. Had has had ACL tears on both of his knees in consecutive years. Like Kyle ta- Ford. Yeah, has taken two years on this this latest one. They, you know, they had him just sit last year just to just to really hone in on it. So it was really great to see him out there. You know, you can tell there's a little bit of rust, but you can see that ability there. He had a really nice moss catch during the team periods from uh, Jackson Dart at the end. Would have put him in like the five-yard line. Mm. Um, had a defender on him, but just kind of like leaned back, caught it, came down with it. Best play we've seen him, he, him make here at USC, so wow. hopefully for more. And then you had the, the freshman, uh, Lake McCree. You know, coming out of high school, it was... This guy isn't a true tight end. He's more like a jumbo wide receiver. And I saw that because he, he he's not as big as the other, like like an Ethan Ray or an Eric Cromahoke, like a blocker kind of dude. Okay. But he is a really nice receiver. He, he's, he's got natural pass catching skills. He has really good body control. He would make catches that were maybe a little bit off, but he would find a way to bring them in. She's laughing because I'm doing the, I got to do the move. I used to be a receiver. You want to have that body control, he, that tight body control. He's like catching a ball over here. Yeah. See, but I think USC needs more catching tight ends mm-hmm. rather than blocking because i mean you'll ha- you'll have that in michael trigg but right i think a lot of people are really excited about michael trigg coming yeah. in and then the summer but don't sleep on lake he, he showed some really nice hands i don't think he, i don't i think it's just too deep right now and then the fact that trigg is coming in i don't think he's gonna get a lot of time but he was a guy that i would see like oh that was that was a nice play by lake because hmm, okay. i wasn't really thinking of him like that like sure. this guy was gonna be watching a lot but he would have nice plays so i'm excited to see what he does especially when the pads come on and so, we get those one-on-one reps. I you know I love, love one-on-one, one-on-one reps. Yeah. So fun. Now, probably what everybody is waiting for, offensive line. Yeah. Cortland Ford, left tackle. Is that something, and I noted this on Wednesday's podcast, because sometimes we see guys come out and it's like, okay, let's see on film what you look like an entire practice with the first team. And then like next day or next practice, you see them with the second team. Do you think that's the case with Cortland Ford? Or do you think this is like a, hey, we actually think you're the guy? Yeah. Is it a scenario where like, look, you're the guy. We want you to get as many reps as you can in spring. Just take them all. You're going to take like 70% of the reps. Is that the case? I don't know. I thought there would be a little bit more mixing and matching. Especially because Harold said in the presser, we're going to be mixing and matching a lot. Yeah, but unless I'm crazy, I did not see any of that. The first line was pretty set. Second line was pretty set. Third line was pretty set. I thought maybe we would see like a Casey Collier maybe get a couple reps at first, but I didn't see that. Okay. Maybe on the far side, but from what I saw, it was all forward, built tough. Rocking the position. Well done. Um, so, yeah, I, I was a little surprised. I thought there'd be more mixing and, maxing, mi- mixing and matching. But for all we know, maybe this is Ka- Casey Collier's day. Maybe Thursday is going to yeah. be all him. So and we'll then see the, on Saturday. See. Yeah, we'll yeah. see on Saturday. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of my takeaway from that. So just for the people, can you run through first and second team? Uh, offensive lines? Yes. Yes. Uh, so, you know, going left and right, it's Cortland. And it's pretty much the same. It's Andrew Voorhees, uh, Brett Nealon at center. Uh, Liam Jimmins at right guard, and then Jalen McKenzie at right tackle. Pretty standard there. 
Second team was Casey Collier at left, uh, left tackle. Jason Rodriguez at left guard. Justin Dietrich at uh, center. Liam Douglas at right guard. And Jonah Monheim at right tackle. Ooh, I just got that. Well done. Well done. I, I, put you I, on the I stumbled. Spot. I'm I stumbled. Sorry. The hey, Liams, no, the Liams were gonna get that, me. Yep. And then the Jason mm-hmm. threw me for a, a little bit of a loop. Hey, you but, did a great but, job. But you I, did it. But I did it. I thought it was interesting that Harold specifically noted Jonah Monheim and said that Jonah has been snapping. I thought that was an interesting wrinkle. Also because I know that they've been trying the Justin Needed guard experiment. Mm-hmm every off season, but have never really like went for it. So now if you have a guy like Jonah, who I guess maybe they're confident he can snap the ball more. Do you ha- feel like you have more freedom to move D ditch because now you have a more reliable backup? I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't, I really don't know. This is just me. I like, I don't know why Jonah's snapping. I don't, I don't, I don't, because if you remember, they made Andrew Millick snap last year when they were down Gino Quinones, who is back. He was out there. Um, But it seemed like Millick was the third team center. So you're training Jonah to be your fourth team center. I don't know. And because I think coming out of high school, we thought Jonah is a guard. The guy's a mauler on the inside. Put him on the inside. Let him do stuff. He is athletic, but they seem really in love with him as a tackle. Um, which is fine. I mean, I'm no expert, but I just thought his best position would be inside. So I don't really know what the plan is with getting him to snap. Maybe they just want to see him snap. Maybe they think he's a better center. I don't know. Um, I, I don't really have an answer for that. I'm. They did say we would probably see Justin Dietrich at guard. Did not see it day one. That's what we'll I'm saying. We'll see. It's, it's been like an experiment that happens but doesn't. After all, mm-hmm. so I don't know. We've seen it in season, like rarely him at guard. But you're right; they've never fully just gone like, "Let's do it." When the Thor package happened, that was Dietrich, right? Or yes. was yes, that yes, yes, yes. Nilon? That was Dietrich. Okay, interesting. A lot of offense. A lot of offense. Well, we t- cover Tuesday. Anything notable from the Tuesday press before we go to Thursday and focus more on the defense? Nothing other than Graham Harrell had a dentist appointment. Graham Harrell and his car, name a more iconic duo. No, I won't. I'm not going to try. <laughs> okay, so moving on to Thursday's presser. Low-key, I feel like it was a little bit of a waste just because of how much Todd Orlando hates non-padded practices. I I forgot that shtick. It's not a shtick. He, like, actually, he's a defense not a coordinator. Bit. It's, it's not, not a bit. It's not a stick. It's who he is. It's who he is. And I kind of forgot that a little bit. And so it was a nice wake-up call at 8 in the morning to hear him be like, eh, first day pads. We'll see. You know, you're you're touching each other. We'll see you on Saturday when we put on the pads. Not really about it. He was a little bit toned down from when he first got here. True. That's just who he is. It's not a bit. No. It's not a shtick like yeah. I just said. It's who Todd Orlando is. And I'm not, and I wouldn't be surprised if it carries over to other parts of his life. Contactless payment? Nah, I'm handing you this cash in your hand, homie. Contact delivery? No, I'm getting in that car and I'm grabbing my food. You deliver it. You bring it to me right now. You get up in there. We're going to hug after this. <laughs> Todd Orlando does not even have vision problems, but he keeps contacts in the house because if he didn't, he'd be contactless. Did you just do this off the, off the top of your head or was this a planned thing? A little bit of it was a plan. Oh, okay. Still or, great. Or was it? Oh. That was probably the most notable thing. Also that he refused to name any <laughs> that was so... freshman. Because obviously you want to ask, oh, which freshmen are standing out? 
which freshman? Tell us, tell us, Todd. But no, he wasn't taking. He's like, I hate this part. I don't want to tell you anything. I don't which want. Which is understandable. It's like, very understandable. We're jackasses for asking about it. But I. But he actually made a good point. Like, I don't want to put that in the locker room. I yeah. don't want to stay. I don't want to say blank is doing really, really well, and this guy's doing really, really well. Or this like, guy sucks. Like, this, he wouldn't say or that. Or this guy needs to see more of. No, yeah. he, he didn't want to put that in the locker room. Well, that's the interesting thing, too, is that this was actually, like, I thought it was fascinating, is that Orlando was just talking about how hard it was for him, in particular, to come in as a new defensive coordinator and then have one practice in shells, and then that's it. And yet, in the pre-spring camp press conference, their whole thing was toughness and being disciplined and being real hard tacklers and whatnot and yet you can't really instill that you can't install that into via zoom you know and he was he was saying that he was a little stressed just because you only get one shot to really uh establish who you are and what you that impression yeah yeah. and to to establish what you expect from your players and he was like i can't come back a year later and be like hey no let's actually go harder because we were kind of soft and so i mean now that i think about it that could have been a disaster for usc given the fact that like the whole reason why people were hyped up about him is that he's Mr. Tackle, Mr. Contact, and yet you can't fully install that. So I thought it was interesting, and the fact that he said it almost hurt them, just training camp, fall training camp of how do you balance, okay, we need to put them through their paces and and make them train really hard, but hey, we're preparing for Arizona State in a couple weeks. How do you balance that? And so I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I, I think it will be good for him to now have, and he said so as much, have 15 practices to really do what he wants to do and not have to worry about game prep or saving people's bodies. It's it's balls to the wall, if you will. Yeah, that's what he said. He said spring is for culture. And, you know, that culture of run and hit, everyone to the ball, crack some skulls out there, whatever you want to call it. Sure. You can't really do that when you're preparing for your first game on a on a on a short week on a shortened season in a pandemic, it's hard to do that. Like you just said, but I think it helped that he he's earnest about it. That's who he is. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's easy for people like the players to understand, like this guy's for real. We just couldn't really do it in the spring. (laughs) Yeah. This guy was telling the truth about who he is and what he wants out of us. So I think that helps that you can tell he's genuine about it. Like we said, this is, this is his life. He's not about the non-contact. He wants people to hit the toughest guys are going to play. And I think, you you could see that he is he was earnest in that and he wasn't just saying it so i think that helped uh you know that the team kind of not getting that culture that full culture in the spring with it being canceled so i think that kind of helped get them through the fall and kind of build uh this defense so i'm excited to see what the culture looks yep. like you know building this the further extension of it getting the full installment of the culture if you will this spring I think it also should be encouraging for USC fans because I actually think that there was a culture and there was a a type of unitedness with the defense. And I heard as much when I was asking people, like, uh, how is it at practice and whatnot last season? Um, And so the fact that that was noticeable with just a couple weeks of training camp and like this, hey, we're going, we're playing now. (laughs) It's October and go, you know? So I think the fact that they actually will have time under their belt, given what we saw, in 2020 for the prep time now that they have more prep time i think that will be better and it seems like the defense is bought in so i think i think it will be 
it, it, it'll be growth. There will be growth there, and I think that should excite USC fans. Yeah, I think you could see the growth even just during the season where they were yeah, when yeah. the offense was struggling, and it's like, oh, it's it's going to be on us to come out and help this team win when they had their backs against the wall. Like sometimes they would bend, but they would not break, and that that that's a sign of you know a strong you know chemistry and relationship and culture. Yeah, even though it wasn't the full culture, so. And it does seem that the defense does have a lot of confidence and pride. Just when I was watching, I know it's cliche to say, you know, the defense has swagger. And we, we've seen that before. But the the defense looked like the most confident side of the ball out there uh, when I was out there on uh, on Tuesday. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, if you looked at the 2020 season and were asked, which side of the ball has a first-year coordinator, which one would you say? It wouldn't be defense. I'll say that. It wouldn't be defense. <laughs> So I think that should be encouraging for USC fans because they mean business. And it seems like the the players know that. And it just, you can tell there's a culture there. Even though Orlando says that it's not even fully there yet. So curious to see what that looks like. Yeah. I noticed you noted that. what I noticed you noticed. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That the inside linebacker depth was shaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was very noticeable because this position has dealt with a lot of injuries uh the last couple years obviously Jordan Iosefa and Solomon Tuliapupu are out they're rehabbing their respective knee injuries um you have Elijah Winston who is still he was on rehab island rehab island uh sounds like a crappy love island spinoff I was gonna make a joke about it on the P and then I just couldn't get get it right yeah proper rehab on Kraken 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 the pads Kraken the pads you had him over there rehabbing the ankle. You had Taylor Katoa on the bike uh, doing his thing over there. So that's down four four middle linebackers right there. And then you have Raylan was out for, for that Tuesday practice. Right. So yeah. you were essentially down to uh, Raymond Scott and then Kanai Malga. Those were your two like main scholarship. They took the, all the first team reps. And then your second team rep, your second team was ba- made up of two walk-ons. Except when they put Kaulana Makalana? Makaula? Makaula, sorry. Except when he got in very late during the final team 11 on 11 periods, he got in, I believe, at Mac or one of, one of the inside positions. And then you had Julian Simon, obviously the freshman, who I pegged as a spring star. He did. You can tell he's going to take some time, a couple weeks, to get going. Um, so you're still d- confident not, in this pick. Look, I'm st- I don't. You sound like you're hedging a little I'm bit. I'm not hedging. Okay. I'm just letting I'm just letting you know what the the situation is. He's a freshman linebacker coming in. Takes a lot to learn a defense. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to wait at least like two weeks before we really start to see him make progress and climb that depth chart. I mean, there's two walk-ons ahead of him right now. You're Julian Simon. You gotta be looking like I can I can grab one of those spots. Oh, of course, I can grab one of the spots by the end of the the, uh, the camp. So yeah. it looked like he was shadowing at Rover. Okay, um, but I did not see him get any team reps at least when they were on side of the field at the end. Um, but I expect that to change moving forward as he gets more confidence in the position. That's what a, a USC linebacker told me a couple weeks ago. Like you can tell how talented he is. He just needs time. He just needs time to you know adjust to the college speed, get in with the defense. So I think he's gonna, he's going to be just fine. Nothing abnormal about him. You know, not cracking the two deep right now. No, no, that's to be expected. Um, Even though I put the pressure of him being did? my spring star Trevino you, spring star you know how much weight that carries Heisman pick no get out of here Buckus preseason award pick no Trevino spring star that's it baby it, it gets there okay but we also have to mention the Chris curse 
It's a thing. I don't really want to talk about that. We shouldn't for Julian. I only, I only did this show because you said you would not bring that up. <laughs> it's not true. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I, you're, you'll be hearing from my lawyer, who I do not have a retainer because of other lawsuits. <laughs> he he made that clear that I had to say that. Anyway, defensive backs. Mm-hmm. I'm curious because not only do you have open spot at cornerback, you have some safety spots up for grabs. Defensive back. Defend that back. Defend it. All what, day. What did you say? I don't know. I don't know why you did that. You made it weird. Why? Just let me have my joke, man. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Uh, obviously, a, another hole was there in that you did not have Chris Steele out there. Yeah. He was absent for practice. So it was the ITS and Jaden Williams show. And then Josh Jackson, who, you know, got some love from Todd Orlando for his his commitment to switching over to DB. You could tell he was learning it. But the guy has so much natural talent. He almost had a pick, had a really nice pass breakup during the seven on seven period. So I think he's gonna be a really nice quarterback by cornerback by the end of this. So that was kind of the main deal with the cornerbacks. Um, and then with the safeties, Max Williams looked to be taking over that nickel spot with Greg Johnson rehabbing. Britton Allen appeared to be the the backup nickel, which I think is a great move. I think I noted it in my my depth projections because I didn't really know who was gonna be that that third nickel. I guess the the spring backup nickel with Greg out. So I was like, I th- just threw his name out there. Like, you know, don't be surprised if I see Brit, if we see Britton Allen there, um, a guy who's been playing strong safety. He He's really good in the box, can make plays in the box. Hasn't really obviously gotten a lot of time other than special teams. So I think he fits that position well. And then it was Chase Williams who was playing that other safety spot opposite of Isaiah Polamau, um, the longtime Talanoa who found a backup getting those first team reps. Sorry, I threw a lot at you. You did. I don't know you're trying to like catch up. I'm digesting it all. Yeah, make sure you take the Pepto if you need it. <laughs> I feel like DBs are just something we're about to watch and see. Yeah, it just seems like there's going to be a lot of mixing and yeah. matching and dibbling and dabbling. So Sure. Defensive line. Yeah. I asked Graham Harrell. No, I didn't. Nope. <laughs> Why would you ask Graham Harrell about the defense? Graham, tell me about the defensive hey, line. Hey, you never know. He might watch offensive line tape. Could you imagine if he just went into like... A beautiful breakdown of everyone. I mean, that'd be great. I asked Todd Orlando yeah. on Thursday. You did. I was there. If anyone um, stood out or made a jump during the eight weeks of winter workouts, Orlando was very complimentary of the workouts. He said that um, the guys look fit. They look stronger. He said that Jamar Sakuna mm-hmm. was a guy. That was pretty top of mind. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that, that jumped out to me right away is that Jamar was getting first team reps. Obviously, Brandon Peely was out uh, for that first practice. He was on Rehab Island as it came out. Ishmael Sopcher is looking like he's going to be out the entire spring after the the leg surgeries uh, for the compartmental... Compartment leg syndrome. Compartment leg syndrome. So it looks like he's out. So there's a lot of opportunities for young guys to kind of make plays there. Um, So I think I was... I was actually surprised because I think a lot of people had Kobe Pepe as the guy to watch on the interior defensive line over Jamar. Um, but now we see Jamar working with that first team. And I think it just goes back to backing up what Orlando said about if you're putting in the work and you're showing up and you're doing these things, you're going to get the opportunity. So, And he was shouted out as someone who's had a great eight weeks of winter workout. So I think that's a, a nice little reward for him. Like, hey, you've been doing the work. You look great. You're doing all the things right. Let's give you some first team reps. So that was one thing that stood out to me. And then Jacob Lichtenstein. 
I'm a little bummed I did not pick him as like a spring star or whatever. He's, he's notoriously Shotgun's boy. Yeah, I'm a little unfortunate in not getting. I might have to move some investments around, move some of my tight end stock, maybe oh. sell some of that off to get in on Big Lick. I feel like I have a little bit of stock, but I want more. Okay. I think I want to buy more. He was working with the fr- the first team, working on the interior, but also kind of kick out to the outside and kind of look like a predator. It was very terrifying. Oh. Terrifying. As See, a man that big. That's interesting just because I felt like he had momentum at the end of the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. And then you have the opt-out, opt-back-in situation where it was kind of late where then he didn't fully make an impact because he opted in so late. So I'm curious if the momentum finds itself again. Yeah, he also has the flow. He's got a flow similar to mine coming out the helmet. And you have some flow. I do have some flow. So I think we were kind of like mind melding over that. But I think, look, and the other thing was that Nick Figueroa did not practice. He was also on rehab island. So oh, that was gosh. another starter. Do we know what that injury is? We don't know what that okay. injury is. Uh, it's looked like he was closer to coming back than a lot of the other guys because he he had his helmet. He was running with his helmet okay. and doing stuff with his helmet, which is a sign to me like he's close. And then he did running. They only took three runners to do sprints. It was Elijah Winston, him, and Micah Kroom, the safety. So those guys were the three, you know, doing sprints on the other side, and they would come back to Rehab Island. But that tells me that they're closer to returning than some of the other guys. Um but he was out, so there was a lot of experimentation on that line. A lot of guys moving in and out. You obviously had Tuli, Tui Pelotu in there. He was also moving in and out. You had Caleb Tremblay and Kobe Pepe working together on that second team. Dijon Benton working a little bit on the outside as a like a D end. So a lot of mixing and matching. I really like the depth of this team because that's three three potential starters that are out right now. But they didn't seem like they missed the beat at all. Interesting. I was going to say, that's an interesting group. I feel like it's a collection of guys who have good potential. Haven't quite quite reached it yet, but it's there. And so I'm curious who takes that leap. Yeah, I think you, you want to see a guy make a leap like Nick did. Nick Figueroa did yep. last season in that role as a starter. Was a breakout starter. I believe Pac-12 all men- honorable mention. I think he has serious all Pac-12 potential to move up. Um, given what he did, uh, small sample size, but if he does that over a sustained full season, I think all Pac-12 potential right there. So you want to see someone make that leap like he did, like Thule did as a freshman. And if you can get like two guys, if you can get Jacob Lichtenstein to do something similar to that, and maybe Caleb Tremblay to get a little bit more consistent, and then like Jamar or Kobe to step up in year, year two for them, that's a really nice looking group on top of Brandon Peely and then Ishmael uh, Sopcher. Yep. And then we haven't even factored in Corey Foreman, like what he's going to do. If Drake he's, Jackson? Yeah, if he's going to be, you know, specifically in that B-backer role behind Drake. Or maybe they move him down to the line to get him to let him do stuff like what Thule was doing last year off the edge. That's a scary position, uh, scary pass rush potential for this unit. Yeah, that's intriguing. Yeah, it's, you're, it's already intriguing enough bringing in a number one overall player, but then now it's a number one overall player where we're not exactly sure where he's going to fit on the defense. Just because, you know, he can't play the B-backer, and he's mentioned in interviews, you know, you know B-backer, like Drake. But, then, but he's also a defensive lineman that you could put off the edge. You know, he's recruited as a strong side defensive end, and that's kind of a hybrid spot. So if you figure out a way to get Drake and Corey on the field at the same time, 
with Thule and then Jacob maybe in the middle and then Nick somewhere. I don't know. That there's a, that's a Roll good. Th- there's a gro- There's a. Gro- it's a. It's a good problem to have. Um, for for Vic and Todd and all these defensive coaches. Well, Orlando mentioned, and this was in reference to Talanoa's spot, but I think it applies to everywhere on the defense. He was saying you have to mix and match to the player's ability and kind of hone your scheme around them in a sense. Yeah, build the scheme around what yeah. your players do best. Yeah. So I think that mindset is particularly intriguing, if you will, for the defensive line, just because I don't think anyone has a real home. It's just like, where are you going to play the best? You yeah, know? don't don't try to be Marlon, be Jamar Sakona, do what's best for the team. Don't try to be something else, and that's just that's just the, I think that's just the right mindset to have. Don't try to tell someone to be someone else that and do what they did last year. Do what you're good at. Yeah. Any special teams notes you want to add? I mean, I am special. <laughs> and we're a team. And we're a team. Uh, I was in my position watching from practice. I was very close to that upright. Oh. So during warm-ups, there were a couple times where I flinched because the balls were coming right near me. But, I mean, the most notable thing was that Alex Stathouse, the former kickoff starter, is now... Looks like he's the backup place kicker to Parker Lewis. Um, Chase McGrath is now at Tennessee. And Michael Brown seems like he's moved on. Okay. Done with football. Not on Letterman lost. And the other thing was the uh, the returners. Obviously, they need to find new returners because you have Amon Ra gone. You have Tyler Vaughn's gone. You have OG gone. Mm-hmm. So lots of stuff. I think the... The pres- the presumption is that Mr. Gary Bryant is yep. your star new punt returner. Uh, but the kickoff return contenders that we saw were Gary Bryant, Kante Ingram, Stephen, Stephen Carr. I keep doing that. Why do you do that? Katie Nixon, Brandon Campbell, Michael Jackson. Well done for doing that off the top of your head. Yeah. And it looked like Gary and KD were the first team. If there was a first team, I could peg out. Okay. So. That makes sense. Yeah. I think I would. Katie has experience as a returner and yeah. then Gary, obviously a dynamic returner. So yeah. that makes sense. That does make that sense. That checks out. It's that checks out Keeley. Interesting because it's it's definitely a passing of the torch because I feel like Tyler Vaughn's has been part of special teams for nine years. He was, he was a fun fact, he was actually the starting pub returner before he actually signed with USC. Wow. Yeah. That is a fun Rare fact. loophole. Seems like a NCAA violation, mm, but... Uh, I mean, didn't hear from me. Okay. As my lawyer would say, didn't hear from me. <laughs> Good to know. Alrighty, Chris, any final thoughts? I'm excited to actually go out there. Per Todd Orlando, there, there will be some hitting on Saturday, so I'm excited for that. But this is a quick little update. I guess it's not quick, but this is a little update about... No, you put me through the ringer. You did a great job, so... I I, I put the, the five stars through five-star workouts. You know what I mean? Oh, did you say ew? No, I said oh. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're gonna enjoy. It was it was sort of weird because obviously the first day of practice, spring practice or fall practice, it's kind of hectic. Oh yeah, because everyone's standing around the tunnel. You're trying to see who's who. You got the roster out. You're circling. You're taking photos. You're just there's a lot of energy. There's people waiting outside. Yeah. Parents, security guards. Cars are speeding by, and the security guards are going, slow down, slow down. Yeah. You know you know the scene pretty well. I do. People have 
the autograph hunters are out there. Yeah. You know, when like Keenan Slovis comes out, Clay Helton's going, how you doing, guys? Hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. All some of the donors. So it's a very big scene. This did not feel like that because it's just like six of us waiting by the aquatic center. Sign in. Go up top. Hey, I don't care. But but that's what I'm saying. It didn't feel like that, but it felt really nice to be up there taking notes. Never been happier to write down who the third string offensive guard was. Oh, I cannot wait for these useless details that I will consume. Andres DeWork, for those familiar, was playing a third string guard. The six foot seven guard. Interesting. That's the thing. I'm just to get a little sentimental. I'm just very happy. COVID makes you very grateful for what you can do. So I'm excited to be back out there. That's going to wrap it up. Chris, I think I already asked for final thoughts. Did I? I think I did. Yeah, that was my final thought. Got it. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Um, To be honest, the first week is a little hectic to where it's like a blur. So that's and I missed a practice. So blasphemy. Good luck catching up. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> It'll be okay. Keely, will I be on any instance this spring? Oh, do you want to be? Maybe. Really? Maybe. Wow. We'll see. We'll Breaking see how froggy news. I'm feeling. Froggy. Froggy. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> okay. My question is: Am I gonna have to force you to take some laps before we film? Maybe. Okay. I'm not going to lie and say no, but... Bring the gusto. That's my only request. Only request. Maybe. Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up for this not quick take, quick take episode of the first two practices of USC's 2021 spring camp. That's Chris Trevino. I'm Keely Yor. We'll see y'all next time. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.